As indicated by writer Sarah Cheney Cambone, the labor market is flashing signs of a slowdown in states where the number of coronavirus cases is surging. But it's also slowing in places where cases aren't surging. In America's Midwest, where COVID-19 infections have been raging, growth in the number of daily job postings has been slowing sharply recently. This according to data from the job site ZipRecruiter. But even in states where the rate of rise in cases has been less pronounced, there are indications of slow economic recovery. In recent weeks, New York, Maine, and North Carolina have registered some of the nation's lowest rates of coronavirus infections. But these states have also been quick to reinstate restrictions or roll back reopenings as the number of cases rises. New York State established a curfew for bars, restaurants, and gyms. Maine postponed the reopening of indoor services at bars and tasting rooms. North Carolina has imposed new limits on private social gatherings. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, the number of job openings and hours worked recently pulled back in each of these states. For example, in New York, employees at small businesses were logging about 62% of their January hours, down from nearly 70% at the end of September. For WIPR and my producer, Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. You've probably heard about the notion of turning lemons into lemonade, whereby people manage to translate a negative circumstance into something positive. Well, that's what a number of people are doing during this lingering pandemic. As indicated by writer Kim McCrail, to adapt to the pandemic and the job losses it has unleashed, more Americans are becoming their own bosses, setting up businesses to work as traveling hairstylists, in-home personal trainers, boutique mask designers, and chefs. The Wall Street Journal has pointed out the presence of a Maryland man who started a mobile car washing business. This emerging cadre of entrepreneurs is pushing into a diverse array of service businesses, including home improvement, food, health, and beauty. This group has begun to influence labor data. Labor Department data indicate that while non-farm jobs through October were down nearly 7% from the pre-pandemic level, what's called unincorporated self-employment was recovering faster, with the number of those jobs down only a bit more than 2%. There has also been an increase in applications for business tax identification numbers. Those applications surged 32% during the first nine months of 2020 compared to a year earlier. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. The U.S. Education Department, working in conjunction with two private consultants, analyzed nearly $1.4 trillion in student loans held by the government at the beginning of the current year. Their conclusion is as follows. Borrowers are poised to pay back $935 billion in principal and interest. That would leave taxpayers on the hook for about $435 billion in unpaid student debt. As indicated by writer Josh Mitchell and as published by the Wall Street Journal, the analysis is based on government accounting standards and does not encompass roughly $150 billion in loans originated by private lenders. The projected losses are far larger than prior government projections. Last year, the Congressional Budget Office estimated that the student loan program would cost less than $32 billion, including administrative costs. After decades of aggressive lending to college students, the federal government has begun to realize that it has a pile of toxic debt on its books. The expected government losses on student loans rival the losses suffered by private lenders during the housing collapse of more than a decade ago. During the 2008 financial crisis, private lenders lost more than half a trillion dollars on subprime mortgages, according to Moody's Analytics. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.
As indicated by writer David Harrison, Americans continue to prove reluctant to add balances to their credit cards even as they borrow more to purchase homes and cars. These conclusions are drawn from a new report issued by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. During the third quarter of the current year, overall household debt rose by $87 billion, or by a bit less than 1% to more than $14.3 trillion. But during the quarter, credit card balances declined by $10 billion. That followed a $76 billion decline during the second quarter, the steepest decline in data going back to 1999. Earlier this year, many Americans received a one-time payment of $1,200 per adult and $500 per child thanks to federal legislation enacted in March. There were also stepped-up unemployment insurance benefits earlier this year, helping some to pay down debt. Consumer spending declined sharply in March and April when much of the economy was locked down. But during the third quarter, mortgage balances rose by $85 billion to nearly $10 trillion. Auto loan balances climbed by $17 billion as many Americans took advantage of low interest rates. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by writers Michael Corkery and Shapna Maharshvari, the holiday shopping season has looked rather different this year. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade proceeded without spectators. In October, two Macy's stores, one in Delaware and the other in Colorado, went dark, meaning that employees have been primarily using the spaces as fulfillment centers where orders and returns are processed online. The spaces are no longer available for customers to contemplate merchandise. This is, of course, both a reflection of the dislocating impact of COVID-19, but also the surging presence of e-commerce. Walmart recently announced that its e-commerce sales rose 79% during the third quarter. Rival Target announced that its e-commerce business was up 155%. Amazon sales rose 37% and its profit was up nearly 200% during the most recent quarter. And e-commerce has a lot more room to gobble up retail market share. Online sales will account for about 20% of all retail purchases this year, according to Forrester Research. While that's up from 16% in 2019, e-commerce still has 80% of the marketplace for which to compete. For WIPR and my producer, Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.